Show episode number 177. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but I've got a solid replacement here with the young Nick Baldwin, teenage sensation Nick Baldwin, who made the trip out here to Sioux Falls as well for Bellator 204 Caldwell versus Lahat. And we'll just say right now, we're not doing anything illegal. You're not partaking of the frosty beverage this evening. No, I'm not. Maybe a surprise to you, but no, I, I have to drive home, and I haven't had my license long enough where I can be like .07 or whatever. I have to be dead zero, or else technically it's illegal driving home. So. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, I guess because you're still a minor, so you can't have any. No, right? I'm not. I'm 18. Right, but, but in the States, uh, you got to be 21, States, right? Well, technically I can't drink at all here, so yeah. sure. But also driving, even in Canada have to be 0% uh, alcohol ah, level. Learn yeah. something new there. Well, yes, yeah. here you shouldn't have it at all, but uh, <laughs> in Canada, they, they do it the right way and let you drink at 18. They do, but you still can't drive even a little bit. So That's smart, though. It you shouldn't drink and drive. No, it's you terrible. shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. But it's terrible. Yeah. All right. Well, you I, you, know, you made the drive down here. How long was the drive? You came from – you live in Toronto right now? I live in Winnipeg. You live in I, Winnipeg. I'm moving to Toronto actually in 11 days. All so. right. Um, drive was about six and a half, seven hours, so nothing too bad. Um, could have been worse. Very cool. Well, you, yeah. you you made it down here. Of course, you do cover the sport for Bloody Elbow. Uh, Bellator 204, was it was it just because it was geographically close? Is that kind of what it was? I think that really is what it is. I mean, I've wanted to cover a Bellator card actually for a little while because I've heard nothing but great things about just the, the process, the, the staff, the PR people that we talk to on a daily basis, the, the actual fights, everything. It sounds like covering Bellator is a blast. And, you know, this is my first time doing so. And with it being in driving distance, that makes a lot more sense, um, especially, you know, just, you know, it makes sense. I, I can't fly across the world to, to cover, you know, Bellator 204. So it's pretty close and made it work. Very good. Well, I, I am, by the way, enjoying a frosty beverage this evening <laughs> because that's how we do. Uh, <laughs> second time in Sioux Falls for me. Uh, the last time, of course, was uh, I had to look it up two years ago, July 2016 for uh, UFC. And yeah. That's right. UFC yeah. Fight Night 91. A uh, couple, couple things really stick out from that card. I mean, number one, uh, of course, Lineker and McDonald, uh, Ferguson and, and Tony, uh, yeah. Tony Ferguson and Lando Venata. That was a, a fantastic fight, um, kind of a breakout performance for Lando Venata, of course. Uh, but I will tell you a funny story about Tony Ferguson. So the media that week it was basically me and Fernando Prachis, our Brazilian reporter who was coming in doing some training, and it was basically just us. It, right. In similar fashion to the way it's yeah. kind of been me and you at yeah. a lot of things this week. It was me and Fernanda, and so they were doing open workouts, and the local media came to cover some of the local guys that were on the card, sure. but once once the local guys were done working out, like, they, they left because they had, they had to go cover, like, high school football and other things like that, and uh, Tony Ferguson shows up, and it's literally just me and Fernanda there, and I'm like, Tony, man, you don't, like, you don't have to work out, man. It's cool. Like, I, it's, it was, it's just us, and he's like, nah, man, I'm working out. <laughs> he took his phone. Hooked it up to the DJ booth over there. Was playing like uh, basically a whole bunch of music that's like his walk-in song, sure. you know, and basically yeah. doing like dance jujitsu for like a good half hour. That's such a Tony Ferguson thing to do, right? One hundred percent. He's like, I'm wor- I'm working out. I don't care if it's just the two of you. I'm putting in my I'm, I'm yeah. getting my sweat in. Yeah, it was solid. And uh, kind of on a not quite as fun note, that was um, the last time I saw Josh Simon too. Man, he was oh, uh, yeah. he was there that week. I think he actually gave uh, Fernando a copy of his book and. Uh, Man, crazy. Yeah, I had no idea what was coming on. So, yeah, interesting card. How you like Sioux Falls so far? Sioux Falls, so far, so good. Um, nothing, nothing super pretty, but nothing uh, 
I guess, out of the ordinarily bad. Um, just another another town, but it's good. It's I good. like it. It's got yeah. some decent restaurants. The sure. downtown area. Weather can't beat the weather right now, man. The Vegas, the Vegas heat. Getting out of that for a bit. We've I actually got the it. door open in the hotel room, which just goes to show you, by the way. How old this hotel is definitely older than you. There's no question about it. I mean, this is like an old motel that they've converted. You don't have yeah. you don't have hotels with patios and doors on them anymore. No, you don't. Not like no. this, anyway. Uh, all right, so we're here to cover Bellator 204. Let's talk about some of the storylines going in. Uh, Darian Caldwell in the main event, the bantamweight champion, moving up to the featherweight division. Um, you know, you and I both talked to him this week. I mean, it's uh, at, at first glance, it's kind of weird, right? I mean, you're like, what's? I mean, what is the point of this fight? I don't I don't really understand it, but. Darian says, you know, I, I want to be a champ champ. You know, I want I want two divisions. Uh, I want to go after the featherweight belt too. Um, and I guess this is kind of my entry into the, to the division. I don't know. What, what, what do you think about his potential at 145 pounds? And does the fight interest you when it's, you know, a champ in a non-title fight? Should, should they, have, if they were going to do this, should they put him? I mean, just give, give me your thoughts on it overall. It is an odd situation. I think the main reason it is, or, or we look at it as a strange situation, is because usually, especially in the UFC nowadays, when Conor McGregor sort of has defined this this whole era of, of super fights, we have a champion at one-way class, he'll instantly, immediately get a title shot at, at a different one. Right. Other, maybe, maybe you know, older school fans might not even agree with that. And so this might just be going back to that, and Darian Caldwell, you know, ha- hasn't done much, if anything, at featherweight before, so why give him the best there is at you know, in Bellator's featherweight division, so I, I guess I, it makes sense. But just going with the times, typically you'd have Darren Caldwell fight Patricio Pitbull, which actually right. would be a great fight. As far as this one matchup against Noad Lahat, I mean, I guess there's some intrigue because you see Caldwell not having to cut a b- bit of extra weight. He is a pretty big band weight, yeah. And so I think he'll probably look better than ever. And Noad isn't a huge featherweight anyway, no. so there's not going to be many issues. I, I still think we'll see the best Caldwell. But it does still feel like a fight that it's just a paycheck for both guys. It's interesting. I mean, Caldwell says, listen, if I win this, I should get a title shot, and he wants it. Meanwhile, you got James Gallagher, who's fighting on, on the main card, who says, you know, bizarrely, he just moved down to Bantamweight, and the Bantamweight champ moves up to Featherweight. So, of course, James says, you're ducking me, you're running from me. James says, you know, I, I want your 135-pound title. Patricio actually said, like, I, I don't want you to come up to me. I'll come down to you. Yeah. Kind of a similar fashion to what we had with, like, TJ and yep. Demetrius. It's like the guy, everybody wants to get a second belt, right? So it's kind of a weird position. Like, if you're that guy in one division, you, you really don't want the guy coming to you looking for a second belt. You want to go to him. Look at Stipe. He had nothing to gain against Daniel Cormier. It's very, very true. Talk about uh, James Gallagher, what you see him in. This is the first week that um, I've ever been around him. I, mean, I haven't been at his other fights. Um, so this is the first time I've had a chance to talk to him in person. Uh, it's the first chance I've had to watch his workouts in person. I mean, uh, you know, future star potential all over. He, he wants to be the superstar. He's, he's following the Conor McGregor path, <laughs> as you mentioned that name. Uh, and I think, I mean, he, he trains beside him, right? He's seen the rise of Conor McGregor. So I, I think you can't blame him for trying to follow the no. playbook a little bit. But what do you think? I mean, is, is he the real deal? Does he have that type of, of, of star quality to you? Well, I mean, just sort of on your note of following Conor McGregor's footsteps, it makes a lot of sense when you train beside the guy almost every day whenever Conor's in the gym, which, you know, might not be as much as it used to be. But that's another story for another day. But, I mean, if just a random person saying, I want to be Conor McGregor, then you might have the fans start saying, eh, you know, give that up, be your own person. But when you're training 
you know, let it go, I guess. But as far as his potential, I, th- I think Gallagher has a lot of potential. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like you, uh, obviously, I haven't been, a lo- you know, beside him or, or talking to him. This was actually the first time I ever said a word to him. So he's, he, I mean, he's obviously a very confident guy. He's a nice guy. Um, and, I mean, he's a good fighter. His yeah. ground game's very good. I mean, his striking's getting better. He seems to be well-rounded. Training to SPG, I mean... He, he appears to be getting better and better, and he's still young. And now that he has the potential, maybe fighting a featherweight, now, you know, dropping down to bandweight, where does his future lie? We don't know. Maybe, you know, that's another option for the, the bandweight featherweight two-division champion that, that might, uh, you know, reign over the Bellator divisions one day. So, I mean, this guy is young. He has a lot of potential. and uh, But this fight does seem like a good step up for him, I, I will say. I agree, yeah. I, I feel like standing next to him this week, he does strike me as more of a natural bantamweight. Like, featherweight, I think, might be a little too big Maybe. of a division yeah. for him. I think it was good for him to make that move down. But we'll see. Uh, looking at the odds, um, Darian Caldwell is a minus 650 favorite, so a huge favorite over at Noad Lahat. James Gallagher, only a minus 165. So Ricky Mendez getting a lot of respect from the odds makers, even if he's even if he's kind of an unknown, you know, kind of an unknown quantity. So, uh, what do you think? I mean, uh, these two guys fighting, uh, you know, does it set something up? Do you, do you think these guys need to meet, whether it be at 145, 130? Because Gallagher is saying, listen, and, and he's calling a shot the way Connor used to. He's saying, I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to put on a show, and then we're going to Dublin, and 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 we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do it for the title in Dublin uh, with Caldwell. And he had some pretty strong words the other day in the media workout, right? Yeah. He's like, you know, he said Darian, you know, Darian says that. You know, fifty thousand Irish fans or whatever. He's like, you don't have fifty thousand American fans. Like, what do you? I mean, he was he was calling them out a little bit. No, he so, was. Do you, I mean, what do you think? You, you got Caldwell saying he wants to go to forty five, and you got Gallagher saying I want the champ to come back to thirty five, and I want him to defend his belt, and I want to take it from him. If let's say they both win, they're both favorites. Do you think they should fight each other at thirty five, or do you think Caldwell has done enough to kind of to kind of get his move at forty five? It's tough to say. I mean, if Caldwell wins, I suspect. I mean, we know he's already said it. He wants the winner of Patricio Pitbull versus Emmanuel Sanchez, and right. which you, you guys just announced earlier today. Um, so I suspect should Caldwell win, that's the fight he'll push for. I don't know if Bellator is going to do that because that's still November. You got a little time. Maybe I, I. I don't see him taking a second non-title fight. That would seem quite right. quite crazy to me, anyways. Um, I just I. I don't know if the Gallagher fight really lines up because he's doing his thing now at featherweight. Gallagher is dropping down. I mean, yeah, they've both, or, or you know, now after after tomorrow they will have both fought at both bandweight and featherweight. But right. right now they're in different weight classes. So, I mean, I know super fight, you know, is a big thing nowadays in MMA, but can they line it up? I'm not sure. And do they want to? I don't know. Because Caldwell, although not undefeated, he's still young. He's, he's on the rise. Even though he's the champ, he is on the rise. Yes. Gallagher certainly is as well. And I will say one thing about Gallagher. I, I think he still needs that one big win on his resume before fighting for a title. Yeah. You, you know, Chincho, yeah. Chinso Machida, that was a name. I, I, I still feel like there should be one more. Because, I mean, Ricky Bandeas, although he has a good record, 10-1, and one, he seems to be a pretty legit guy. He's an unknown, as you said. And so, on the record, that really doesn't mean a whole lot, even if Bandeas is a is a legitimate talent, and which I guess we'll find out tomorrow night. Um, I I think he needs that one marquee win before a title shot, but knowing who Gallagher is and the star potential he has, Bellator probably will disagree. Yeah. I should say uh, that we owe Mr. Gallagher an apology. I'm not sure if you saw his tweet earlier today, but he did point out that on our app, we had him listed as being from Northern Ireland. Uh, (laughs) 
And uh, I did go correct that. I, I do apologize. I don't know how that got entered in the database that way. Uh, but sure enough, he was listed as being from Northern Ireland, which put the Northern Irish flag next to his uh, picture on the on the on the bout lineup. And he uh, a fan tweeted him at it, and he retweeted and said that uh, that was a good way for us to get uh, boycotted. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that will not be the case. It was a, a data entry error, but uh, I have since corrected that, so I do apologize. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Logan Storley taking on AJ Matthews. Um, Logan Storley, I, I, I've I've been I've had my eye on Logan Storley for a while. I like him. I think he is a legit prospect. Uh, fantastic wrestling base. His last two fights have gone to a decision. It, it has the potential to be a boring fight. I mean, it, 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 he has the potential to be that kind of a heavy top position wrestling heavy thing. He is, uh, according to the odds makers, a minus 1,000 favorite. Crazy. That is insane. That is 10 to 1 uh, over A.J. Matthews. A.J. Matthews, though, Hard not to like A.J. Matthews, right? I mean, the guy just has tons of personalities. He's here hanging out with Patrick Cummins, uh, who's usually with him, and uh, says, you know, had some good things to say the other day. Said, listen, man, I've, I've made some changes. You know, I had some stuff going on in my life. I wasn't doing the right things. I know what the right things are now. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's I, I like the guy, but it is uh, it is a tough one going against Logan Storley. What, what, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one to call because I'm not as familiar with, with both guys. I've seen A.G. Matthews fight. I admittedly don't even know if I've actually seen Storley fight, but from everything, I mean, he's a very decorated wrestler, you know, out, out of college and seems like a very legit guy. He, he's 7-0 and undefeated. He's never lost, never tasted defeat. Um, whether that means much, who knows, but he seems like a, like a, he seems like a smart fighter because he even said himself that, if he can get you down, why wouldn't he take you down? Because that's what he's best at. Why, you know, take a bigger risk? And so that that's that's high fight IQ as far as I'm concerned. He, he compared himself a little bit to Ben Askren and Khabib even. And so it is a tough fight for A.G. Matthews. He, got, he, he has to keep this one standing. I doubt he can. But if he can, maybe he'll... Uh, you know, mix up a little bit and and give Storley some trouble. It's a, it's a tough one, like you said, Storley. The uh, he was a six-time state champion wrestler here in South Dakota, and I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, we're here at the host hotel, the Holiday Inn, and, and I was hanging out earlier and met some kids that were in the lobby or whatever. And these kids came up to me and they were talking like they, they started wrestling when they were three. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like this is a, this is a wrestling place, but it's funny because I'll I'll admit that I didn't know this, that A.J. Matthews is also from South Dakota. And, you know, so we were kind of talking to him, hey, you're going to be the bad guy, you know, Logan, this is Logan Storley country. And he was like, the hell? He's like, I'm from <laughs> here too. Like, I, I felt, I, I was kind of embarrassed. I just, I, you know, I associated him with SoCal, and I thought that's where right. he was from, but but he grew up here. So it was pretty cool. He's had his family all, here all week long, hanging out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's got the potential to be a, a special night for him, I guess. No, his grandma's here too. I, you know, love seeing that. But, yeah, it, it, it's funny. I actually – I think I know I, I I saw the day before the open workouts that he was from South Dakota, and I'm thinking the storyline that Storley, you know, the hometown here. Well, yeah. you got AJ Matthews here as well, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Storley will have more fans because I mean, even Matthews said, I mean, he sort of you know SoCal owns him right now, Manila owns him right now. Right. South Dakota hasn't done as much, I guess, for him, even though he grew up here for you know several years. So it is what it is, but probably Storley's uh you know biggest crowd. The uh, the main card starts with a fight that got interesting today. I think yeah. uh, Taiwan Speedy Claxton versus Chris Lencioni. Um 
listen, I, you know, coming into this right now, uh, our Mike Bond wrote a nice piece on Chris Lencioni earlier in the week about uh, he just cha- legally changed his name. It was kind of a human interest piece more than MMA, but um, the guy was – his last name was uh, like his stepdad's. It wasn't the greatest stepdad or whatever, and so he ended up changing his name. And, you know, it was just kind of a human interest story. But uh, Bellator, much like Strikeforce years ago, has a way of matching up prospects uh, with guys that they think the prospects can beat. So in my <laughs> head, I'm like – well, this must be a showcase for, for Speedy Claxton. I mean, here's the, the guy that came in with the flying knee as, as his debut, and he's one of their stud uh, prospects. And then today at weigh-ins, they get up there for the ceremonial weigh-ins, and they're just bark. Well, I shouldn't even say they're barking at each other. Chris Lencioni just starts yelling at him like, you know, you didn't want this fight. You don't need – like, just going off. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I had no idea there was any beef between them. No, no, nor did I. Um, and as you said, I mean, it got interesting today because before, I mean, I, I was sort of on the same page as you. I didn't know, I mean, I don't know tons about Claxton even, but knew even less about his opponent. And I, I you know, I knew about the, the flying knee and his, his two wins in Bellator and looks like a legit prospect, but now I'm intrigued. I mean, I still don't know if in the actual cage his opponent can do much or, or you know, we'll, we'll see, but... I'm intrigued because they clearly don't like each other all that much from the sounds of it. I don't know what the history is, but they <laughs> definitely don't. It uh and hey man, you know, I I don't like manufactured beef, man. I don't like, I don't feel like every fight has to be a grudge match. Um but it does make it kind of interesting no, it when does. you know that people don't like each other. It just adds a little flavor Especially to it, right? Especially with a fight that otherwise I wouldn't care tons about right. if I'm being t- yeah, completely honest. I get it. I mean, I I am intrigued by by Claxton if I'm being honest, but you know, it's not a fight where I'm going to, you know, cancel all these plans to watch. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so now maybe I would cancel those plans. There, there you <laughs> go. It's uh, So I like the main card. I, mean, I think the four fights here all have a little bit of story. Again, the the, the opener just got the storyline sure. for me today, but the yeah. other ones I, I really care about. Storley, again, being a guy that um, I, I do think has a, a, a chance to be one of those special guys, um, but he's, he's, you know, can he come out of his shell? And then, of course, everything that we talked about with, with Caldwell and Medeas. By the way, if you're if you're if you're looking for something on the prelims that might have a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of emotional tie there as well, Corey Davis. Did you catch him when he came in today fighting David Michaud? Oh, and yes. uh, yeah, and Corey, the shirt, right? yeah, Corey, well, he just he came in and I don't know what he was he was yelling. He was like, uh, "You brought me in to lose. You made a fucking mistake." Yeah. And I was just like, "What?" Well, and he was funny because he was looking at, at all of us, and I'm like. Sir, I, I didn't do anything. I'm just here taking <laughs> photographs and video, you know. But he's he's got a little chip on his shoulder. I think yeah. he feels like he was the guy that was brought to lose to the to the uh, to the local guy, and he's like, hey, that's that's not gonna happen. Yeah, he's the one fighting Jason Jackson, correct? Yeah. Or uh no, David, Ma- David Machado. No, that's Jordan Larson's fighting Jason Jackson. Did okay. Jordan have a T-shirt on because you said something about a T-shirt. Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, Corey Davis. Yeah, I, I don't know what's what's up with that. But again, you know, a prelim that otherwise it's you know it's, it's a fight I'll watch, but maybe not cancel plans for. And now you know I'll cancel those plans. I mean, I, I'm interested to see what he has to say. You know, if, if he does pull off that win, talking to him afterwards. Um, th- there's something going on, and we don't know what it is, and I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> He's angry. I know I'll tell you that. Uh, the other one that, that was uh, pretty wild this morning, Romero Cotton versus Willie Whitehead. Uh, Romero Cotton, another one of these kind of stud wrestlers, a prospect. Weird, he got added to the card this week, and they never even really made a, an announcement mm-hmm. about it. Like, it just came in the – it basically came in the PR schedule email, and I'm like, oh, wow, look, Romero Cotton's fine this week. They never made a big deal about it, but Willie Whitehead came in this morning at 200 pounds for a middleweight fight uh, – and it's pretty interesting. South Dakota has these rules where 
you're basically, and, and, and I admittedly did not know this until today, again, only my second time here uh, and, and was able to speak to the commission today, but they have a rule in South Dakota where you can get up to 10% of the original contracted weight, so a sliding scale basically per division, and they'll still sanction the bout. So, I mean, if you're a light heavyweight, you can be 20 and a half pounds over. If you're a heavyweight, you can be 26 and a half pounds over. I mean, it's it's pretty wild, uh, and I don't know that I'm against it. I mean, uh, Romero Cotton looks like the more talented fighter, uh, so the fact that, that, that Willie Whitehead is heavier, you know, it might not be that big of a deal yeah. to make it, you know. But but it was wild, and the other thing, too, that I thought was wild was that uh, South Dakota does not have a rule where they impose any fines, so the fine had to be negotiated between the two athletes and the organization. And, of course, the organization opted for the standard 20%, all of which goes to, to Romero Cotton, but uh, – Pretty wild scene this morning. I, I don't know. I don't understand how you can show up that heavy for a fight. Yeah. So you mentioned the the rule with the South Dakota Commission that you hadn't known about, um, and you know, obviously not something I I wasn't uh, you know aware of either. I'm curious. Honest question. I mean, we've seen even in high profile fights, you know, fighters miss weight badly. One you know option or one idea that comes to mind: Kelvin Gaslam blowing weight against Tyron Woodley, ten pounds or so for yeah. a Walter fight. So do most commissions like do they have a limit where if you show up just 15 pounds over, you know, the stronger commissions luck? do. Yeah, a yeah. lot of the stronger commissions, you know, when you think of your Californias, your Vegas, like it gets out of a certain range like do we can't even Yeah. we can't sign off. Well, I on knew, this. I mean, you can't weigh in 30 pounds over. Right. I just wasn't sure if there was like that yeah. one cutoff well, line. Well, and, and here's so here's one thing. I was talking to John McCarthy about this today and 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 I'll be honest, you know, Big John was like, "Hey, that's on you guys as media to bring more attention to it." But it 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 does when things like this happen, it is so annoying. That we're sitting here. I mean, we cover this sport full time, right? I mean, well, you got you're a student as well, but I, I do nothing but cover the sport. Right. You do some other stuff as well, but the fact that commissions have different rules to begin with. I mean, damn it! Like, why can't we get everybody on the same page? No, it's I agree. so it's yeah. it's so maddening, and I just don't see how anybody in any commission can say that it's for the betterment of anybody involved to to to, to change things. It has to screw up the fighters. Does it not? I mean, if you're fighting in Vegas and you're fighting in New York, you, you have different rules, or that can't be. I mean, can't be you, good for the fighters, and it can't be good for the officials. Now, I mean, this is more of an administrative thing. You know, we're talking about weigh-ins, but but I I, I mean, yeah, the the rules are all different. You got referees that have to make split-second decisions, and they've got to factor in where they are as they make that decision. I mean, that should be instinctual. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, not you shouldn't have to process and analyze yeah. and consider. Okay, I believe that's an infraction, but let me remind myself real quick where I am so that I can decide whether I just, you know, or even worse, just having to remember which states have this. Yes, yeah, we got you. Got to get everybody on the same page, man. And and I don't know the best way to go about it. You know, I've I've heard that national oversight isn't necessarily good. I mean, heck, talking to Big John this morning, he's like, why does the government have to be involved at all? You know, it's like the government doesn't regulate baseball or football or whatever. Why do they have to regulate combat sports and? I mean, that's a whole other argument to have, I guess. I mean, there's a, a much higher degree of safety concerns, I guess, in fight sport. But, um, yeah, man, got to get everybody on the same page. It's just, to me, it's unacceptable. And it seems like we're growing further apart every year, you know, with different commissions doing different things versus, uh, you know, just 
getting more together. Like, and I that's get because it. Because some commissions aren't budging. I mean, you look back two years ago, the rules are the same, even though we had this, you know, rule changes, like, you know, almost two years ago now, I think it was. Uh, and then you have other commissions like California even doing more and more with their 10 point plan from a little while back. And, you know, they're, they're constantly working on improving whether it's weight cutting or just getting the rules in check. And you have guys like John McCarthy and, and, uh, uh, the commentator's name is uh, Sean escaping Wheelock. me. Sean Wheelock. I mean, they're they're constantly trying to improve the the rules and all that, and yet some commissions aren't budging. And so, as you said, they're it's frustrating. Apart. I, I believe it was Idaho. I was talking to somebody about this. I believe it was Idaho that they essentially because one of the issues that the commissioners will raise up is like, listen, we we are regulated by law, and because we're regulated by law, like anytime we want to change something, we have to go through the government. We have to get it in a regulate. We have to get it voted on. We have to do all that. And I get that. You know, bureaucracy is a pain in the ass. But I believe it was Idaho, and I hope I'm I hope I'm right about that. That I was told that their commission basically wrote it into law that we are going to use the rules that Las Vegas uses, the rules that Nevada uses. Yeah. Like that's you know the leading combat sports commission. So when they make a change. We make that change too. So there you go. Now you don't have to update the policy every time. You just go, our, our policy is, we use their policies. Done. Now you don't <laughs> have to go vote on it every time. That seems like a, a brilliantly simple way to do it. Even if uh, if I was that commission, I'd probably follow California, not Nevada, if I'm being totally honest. But, yeah, I mean, following a high-profile commission that's been around for a long time, you know, very notable, I think that's way better than – you know, Idaho, they they use their commission once in a blue moon. Yeah. Why why have commission members voting on things that, you know? I agree. I'll tell you the other thing, since we're, we're talking about Big John, the other thing, we actually ended up flying in on the same uh, flight together um, from Vegas. And we were just kind of bullshitting as you do, killing time in the airport. And uh, we were talking about weight cutting. And, and he is sold on the idea of – hydration test the day before he's like that's that's the way to end weight cutting hydration test the day before uh you still do the previous day weigh-ins but they've got to test within a certain scale if they don't test within a certain scale of hydration then they don't even get to weigh in um and i talked to him and about test it test on the thursday or the friday on the friday so well i guess for bellator would be Thursday, but day yeah, the day the before, fight. day before the fight, yeah, you, you you basically test their hydration level, which uh, my understanding is it's it's urine, and then you you dip like a little sample thing, and you and you look through a, I don't know what it's <laughs> called, I'm not technically, I'm not that smart about it, but uh, I don't know, I want to research it further because he, I mean, Big John has been around the sport for a long time, man, and I do believe that uh, he knows what he, he's talking about. He knows what he's talking. He's educated. He's lived it. He's watched it. So when he says something, when he's got a strong opinion like that, I feel like it, it's it's got some weight. You go with and it, I, and yeah. I should research it. And he says the way we fix weight cutting is we do previous day weigh-ins. You check the hydration level first, and if they're if they're within the allowable hydration level, you then you then you put them on the scale. If not, if they've dehydrated themselves to get to that point, they don't even get to weigh in. Fights off. It's not medically safe. Now. Obviously, that's scary to start scratching fights and weighing. So, kind of, I was talking to to some other guys behind the scenes today, and, and what they said is, yeah, well, what you do is um, you slow roll it. You know what I mean? Like put it put it in place for maybe six months, maybe even a year. Maybe you go extra. And you put it in place for a year, but you don't pull the fights, but you educate people. The fighter comes in to fight. You give him that hydration test, and you say, hey, by the way, if this is next year at this time, you don't get to fight because you're dehydrated. Let me show you what your level is. Um, I don't know, man. It, it, it sounds like it does make sense. I mean, if what we're concerned about is fighter safety and this de dehydration stuff, um, and I know they're doing a lot of this in, in, in one – they're doing different stuff in one because you don't even have to weigh in at certain weights. It's a little bit different, I think, than most people um, are, are aware. But but they are doing – part of it is based on hydration tests. But um, I don't know, man. I think 
maybe there's something to it. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm a guy who's always been against weight cutting. I mean, when guys are cutting 30 pounds and putting it on the next day before a fight, it's not healthy. And anyone that says it is, you know, they're, they're not right. Um, and so I, I've said for a little while, maybe do weigh-ins on Thursday, and then that gives them an adequate time to weigh in, and then you, you know, then, I mean... So like we, 48 hours out? Essentially, and, and then you don't have the, I mean... Some people have complained about the morning morning wanes. They're not morning people or, or whatever the issue is. They have to cut weight throughout the night and sleep while they're dehydrated. So that's maybe an issue where, you know, 48 hours out, you know, they, they cut that day and they're good to go. And then they have two days essentially to, to rehydrate. Now, the issue is that that could also just lead to even bigger weight cuts because they see, that's hey, right. we got two days to rehydrate. Let's cut 50 pounds now. And so... Right. It's hard to fix, fix it, is. it entirely. But. That's the thing is, that, uh, to me, it's it's never been that that one decision you make that fixes it, and that's why yeah. it's it's hard because it's complicated, and people are always going to try to game the system, and then you know you're, the people that say same day weigh-ins is the way to go, but even the fighters admit to the people will still cut weight, they just won't be rehydrating successfully. So uh, we'll see, but it's something I definitely want to definitely want to research more. All right, listen, uh, there was some other stuff going on tonight. I had a chance to catch up. Michael Chandler is in town, uh, and uh, look, he's in the middle of some uh, some contract stuff, and uh, I. I had a chance to go run and catch up with them. He was at a uh, – there was a charity event here at the hotel, actually. Uh, Seeds for Change is the name of the charity. Um, and this is actually the organization that helped uh, take C.B. Dalloway over to Africa. You know, he recently went over there and said it really changed his life. He actually got up and spoke for a little bit tonight about it, um, kind of just going over there and, and uh, the impact it had on his life. So they were doing a, a charity event, and, and they were nice enough to let me uh, poke my head in the door and, and, and get a couple of interviews. Uh, and, and one of those was with Michael Chandler. I wanted to get an update, find out if uh, while he was here he got his contract stuff done. Scott Coker should say is not here in town, so I imagine – um, Scott would need to be involved in those discussions a little bit, but uh, did feel we should get a, a quick update from Michael Chandler, and, and here's what he had to say. Let's do it, Mike. I mean, uh, we know, you know you've been open. You're, you're having contract talks and all that. Break the news, man. Are, are, are you got something done? We know the next step. No news, man. I got no news. Uh, we're still uh, we're still looking at what the future might hold, so we're getting uh, getting everything figured out, man. I'm just uh, I'm extremely excited to be here in Sioux Falls, here at the Seeds of Change charity event. Uh, Doing a ton of stuff with uh, my one of my best sponsors and, and one, some of my best friends and some of the best people in mixed martial arts, American Ethanol. So um, just having a blast. It's fight week here, so uh, got a lot of teammates fighting here at Bellator tomorrow night. Um, just having a great week. It's exciting. Nice. What's the process like for you during all this? I mean, is it is it fun? Is it uncomfortable? I mean, business is sometimes tense. I mean, yeah. it, what's it like for you? Right? Business is business. You know, uh, number one, I know my worth. Number two, I know exactly what I'm fighting for. Uh, number three, I know exactly how good I am. Uh, I truly think I'm the best lightweight in the world, and, and there's and I, I don't think there's anybody that, that can convince me otherwise. Um, so with that comes a, a lot of, of layered layered decision making, you know. So we're uh, I have phenomenal management, phenomenal people around me, um, a phenomenal relationship with Bellator. You know, to, to be completely honest, even though there's been ups and there's been downs, and we've talked about some things, and we weren't quite sure if we're going to get a deal done or if we're not going to get a deal done, or we are or not. Um, Scott Coker, Rich Chu, I mean, 
the, these guys at Bellator are the real deal. They're they're great people, and we are we're getting we're getting getting things figured out, and um, we're excited about what the future holds either way. So um, I'm excited. What's it, what's it like for you? Because obviously this organization, you've been a part of it for a long time. You've been the face of it. You know, I, I feel like it's it's comfortable, right? But then there's also other big name organizations out there that are, are attractive too. So I mean, is there anything about the relationship or the organization itself that's like kind of I want to stay or I want to leave? Yeah, you know, I mean, the older I get and now being a husband and being a father, that's, I love the relationships with Bellator or the possible relationship with other promotions, but at the end of the day, nothing is more important to me than my wife and my son and my legacy, you know? And I've always said that, like, whoever was going to take better care of me, who was ever going to be there and, and take care of me better was going to be who I was going to end up getting a deal done with. Um, so at this point, um, there are no deals done, and um, we will we will see uh, we, we will see what happens. But I mean, it, it all goes back to uh, knowing your worth, realizing that I have been in this organization longer than anybody. I do have the most wins in Bellator history. I have been it easily hands down in the most exciting fights in Bellator history. You could easily say that Bellator would not be where they are without the fights that I've had, without the without being the one of the faces of the promotions, one of the guys who who literally goes out there and never disappoints. One of the guys who who per from minute to minute to second to second, people are on the edge of their seats and they want to watch my fights just because I go out there and I lay it on the line. I've never had one boring fight. I've never gone out there win or lose and ever taken a step backwards and ever and ever thought about taking it easy on someone or thought about taking a round off. And that's just what I've always done. So with that, and with the damage that I've taken, and with, with the value that I bring to each and every second stepping into a cage, whether it's Bellator or another organization, I have to take that into account. And luckily, I have, I have great people around me. And uh, you know, it's, it's just fun, man. Bellator has been nothing but great ever since 2011 when I signed with them, or 2010 when I signed with them, 2011 when I won the first world title, and now numerous world titles with them. Um, so it's just fun, man. I, I can honestly say at 32 years old, I feel like I'm the best I've ever been. I'm finally in my prime. I'm finally scratching the surface of my of my capabilities, and it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be in contract negotiations right now at this point, and I haven't lost in four years besides that freak injury at Madison Square Garden. Other than that, I'm coming up on four years undefeated. Um, so when, when you have that kind of track record and you have most of your wins by finish and you always go out there and, and uh, put on a good show, you have to know your worth, and that's what we're doing. Is it just money? I mean, not to be too personal. It is your job. I mean, you guys fight for a living. Yeah. Is it just money, or is it like things outside of that? that like, Well, I, you know, I have some pretty... I have some good stuff I have coming down the pipe if, if I choose to um, get a deal done with Bellator, if, if we get a deal done. I have, I have some other relationships that I've cultivated um, through um, other Viacom properties and that. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I'm just, uh, yeah, it, it definitely boils down to money. I mean, at the end of the day, I love the fans, and I and I and I take their opinions to heart. And I know, you, I can't go a day without hearing everybody talk about how I could beat Khabib, and I could beat Connor, and I could beat all these guys, and I could be, you know, the number one guy in the world in, in any organization. So of course you think about that. But at the end of the day, those people are going to forget about me the day I retire. You know, I got a, I got a solid six months after I after I retire, and they're all going to forget about me, and it's on to the next big thing. And that's what you have to realize in this sport. It's 
so fleeting and it's a what have you done for me lately business and at the end of the day I'm a businessman I'm a father and I'm a husband um, and it just so happens that I'm really good at going out there and beating people up in a cage you know so I have to I have to weigh both both scenarios and make the best decision possible and yeah I, I do expect it to, be, to, to make boatloads of money you're, <laughs> fair enough Thank you're you. not an old guy <laughs> but is this your last contract I mean are you thinking about the end yet I mean I think I think I am starting to think about the end only because it's helping me grow as a person you know I mean I think I think when I was first getting into the sport I was 22 years old and I could run through it I could run through this brick wall and show up the next day of practice and run through the brick wall again and go and go and go and I can still do that if you ask these guys down at, at Henry Hoof's gym down in Florida there's not a guy who goes harder than me there's not a guy who can push harder than me there's not a guy who, who recovers a guy who who takes care of himself a guy who sleeps better a guy who's there mentally like I do everything that a professional athlete should do this is not a game to me this is not just a, a hobby this is something I've, I've taken extremely seriously um, so now at 32 realizing that I'm still in my prime and I think I think my prime is going to extend further than most guys prime because I didn't take a punch till I was 22 years old you know I didn't I didn't take really bad punches till I was 23 24 years old you know so I'm you know not that long into the sport I think feel like I'm still very young in the sport I still have a lot of growing to do and now it's just about fighting smart and sharp and uh, still going out there delivering for the fans just like I do and I separated a guy's shoulder and finished him in the first round the fight before that the last, you know my last two fights have been dominant dominant victories you know and I just always go out there and, and put on a great show because I only know one speed and uh, so with that comes making sure I realize that I, I am my own worst enemy when it comes to possible physical damage that I'm taking. So always just taking care of myself and, and uh, continuing to think about the end. And uh, I think I have more than one contract that I, I could easily sign. I think you're, you're going to see you're going to see me in this game a little bit longer than, than most guys. There's talks of Eddie Alvarez being a free agent. Are you are you hoping you guys end up under the same banner one way or the other? You guys have a nice history together. I'll tell you what, man. There's not a guy that I respect in this sport more than Eddie Alvarez. Um, when you share 50, 50 minutes inside a cage, when when I got a scar on my lip that he gave me, and I got another scar on my eyebrow that he gave me, and I can look at myself in the mirror and think, okay, that's from that guy, that's from that guy. But man, Eddie put it on me here, he put it on me there, and you know, being one and one, uh, me finishing the first fight, him beating me in the second fight, and Eddie's just a warrior, man. And, and he's been Bellator champion. He's been UFC champion. He's been a champion in every major organization in the entire country, in, in the entire world. Um, so I have a ton of respect for him as a fighter. And, and honestly, I just want—I want to see the best for him. You know, if that means staying with the UFC. I hope he stays with the UFC. If that means coming to Bellator, I would love to welcome him to you know welcome him to Bellator and finish that trilogy. There's not a, there's not a day that has gone by recently since he announced that this last fight was his last fight on his contract that people haven't been started talking about the trilogy and little videos getting put out there and people talking about the what ifs and that and whatnot. So I got a ton of respect for the guy. He fights for the right reasons. He he fights like a dog, and uh, I'd love to share the cage with him again. Very nice. Well, I know you got a lot of things to do, so let you get back to it. Uh, how soon do you think we know him? If you had to guess, how how, how soon soon do we know what's what's next we should know in about the next 30 minutes so you just barely missed it <laughs> no i'm joking well, i don't know in the next uh soon it, it's it's i'd say it will be within a week or two cool. so. hey guys and gals no matter what you do in the bathroom to get ready dollar shave club has everything you need to look feel and smell your best they have amazing shower stuff hair styling products toothbrushes and toothpaste and of course razors and shave supplies i know you might look at me and you say cold coffee you're kind of burly man you got that beard you know how how can you use this stuff but you know what i do use and i do love the amber lavender body cleanser 
I love it. I love how it smells. Every time I use it, I feel soft and smooth, and my girl loves it. And hey, guys, that's all that matters. You know what I'm saying? But hey, that's how I get ready. But you're not me. You have your own way to get ready. You might shave your whole body to get ready for a bike race. Dollar Shave Club's executive razor and shave butter can help you. You might do your hair to get ready for your soccer match. Boogies by Dollar Shave Club can help you get your style right, folks. The thing is, no matter what you do to get ready, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need. And right now, you can get ready with an amazing deal on any one of their starter sets. I recommend the Daily Essential Starter Set because I love the Amber Lavender Body Cleanser. But you can't go wrong with any of them. Head over to dollarshaveclub.com road to pick your own Dollar Shave Club starter set for just $5. After your starter set, products ship at regular price. And make sure you check out their new video too. The dollarshaveclub.com road. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash road. All right, that was Michael Chandler. So uh, I guess the update there, Nick, is uh, no update yet, but the update is coming soon. Um, it sounds like he's, uh, you know, making some financial demands, definitely wants to make sure he gets paid. He recognizes his own worth. Got to respect him for that. Ultimately, I don't know. What, what do you think? Uh, better fit for him to stay at Bellator, or, or would you like to see him go to the UFC and test himself a well, little bit? Well, me, selfishly, who wants to see the best fights, you know, the best fight the best, and Michael Chandler in the UFC would be great. I mean, see, you know, seeing him fight, you know, you, you can go the champ, you can go Khabib, even though that's, you know, maybe too much too soon. You got Conor McGregor, you got Dustin Poirier, even do Eddie Alvarez again, uh, Tony Fergus. There's a lot, a lot of, of options matches. for Michael Chandler, and so... A lot of those would be fun. It's it's super fresh right now. I mean, do I have tons of intrigue in you know Michael Chandler versus I, I don't even know. But even even the rematch with Brent Primus, I mean, isn't as intriguing on paper if I'm being honest as an actual fight. So, yeah, I mean, as a fan, you want to see him. As a fan, fan you kind of want to see him there with the new the matchups. In the UFC, new matchups, maybe the better fights, uh, more he's competitive a great fights. Fighter, man, he, he really is. is, and he and he seems to just be getting better. I mean, he is. Uh, he is getting better. He's yeah, fun to watch, and, and I. But you know. What he said is, is true. You know, he said, listen, this is about me taking care of my family. And, you know, legacy means something and all that. But as soon as I retire, that you know, nobody even cares anymore. And they just move on to the next thing. So there's truth to that. But I get what you're saying. I mean, there's a lot of fights that would be fun fun to see, right? Fresh faces, fresh matchups. But, I mean, I, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I, I think Bellator would kind of hate to see him go. I mean, he's he's – He's like one of the faces of their he company, is. right? I was gonna say he's not maybe not the face, but he's definitely like number th- you know Close top to three, it. top five for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, one of one of their more popular champions, I, I I would say. And so, I don't think Bellator lets him go. I you know I think unless he's still... just asking for ridiculous money, I think you're right. They gotta keep him, right? They, it's they, just for a they reputation will keep thing. him because I mean even so, will the UFC pay him tons and tons and tons of money? I I, I mean. What do they gain from signing Michael Chandler? I mean, it's just another legit guy in their late division who can definitely make some waves, but is he going to be a huge difference maker? I don't necessarily think so. Right. So is he worth, I mean, oh, you know, oh, just an excessive amount, yeah. essentially. I mean, I, I think where he's at now, I mean, I'm sure Scott Coker wants to keep him around. Bellator wants to keep him around. They'll, they'll pay him good money. They are paying him good money. Um, even if they have to go a little higher, I'm sure they will. 
just comes down to does he get a little greedy, which I wouldn't blame him for. <laughs> I wouldn't blame him for that whatsoever, by the way. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I, I suspect he'll stay with Bellator. I mean, that's where that he's too. at now. And I feel that way, too. I think it's a good fit for him. I think it's a good fit for them. I think they find a way to make it work. Uh, would you want to see Eddie Alvarez come back over here and, and do that trilogy fight? Oh, on the flips. I mean, again, it's like the UFC. There's still the matchups. I mean, not as many, you know, even if we see a Tony Ferguson fight down the road or Khabib. I mean, the matchups are still there. Right. Um, if he does come over, I mean, I think that'll be a lot of fun. I mean, you have – you. You do have fresh match fresh matchups in Bellator. I mean, you got guys like the champ Brent Primus. You got, I mean, Run Chandler back again. That you know hasn't happened for a while, so would make some sense. I mean, there's there's a lot of options for Eddie Alvarez. Um, it'll it'll be interesting to see where he goes as well. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, listen. Uh, earlier this week, I uh, just want to say real quick, I had a chance to go to the taping of Dana White's Contender Series Brazil. Uh, unfortunately, I had to sign non-disclosure agreements to be there because they are taping them and airing them uh, later this month. Uh, but they taped three episodes. They did it in two days, so there's going to be three new episodes. The good thing that I, that I can say is um, that they had an English commentary crew there. Mm. So all those fights are going to be on Fight Pass. I don't know. I think they, there's like a one-day delay maybe, so uh, they, they air it in global. And I want to say they get it like exclusively for like 24 hours. Um, so I guess you might have to avoid spoilers if you want to watch it uh, with no, uh, with, 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 you know, without knowing the results. Results, but there were some great fights, man. I, I definitely the level of that we saw in the contender series was definitely brought in here. Um, there were some fun fights. There were a couple that were like, oh, I mean, but you expect that, right? Not every fight's gonna be amazing. No, but yeah. I think I think people are definitely gonna watch them on Fight Pass. It was good. Um, and uh, we did have a scrum with Dana afterwards too. Um, that we'll have to wait until all three episodes air. We didn't talk about anything like newsworthy outside of contender because again, we couldn't air any of it, so it didn't make sense to, to talk like. What about this fight? What about that fight that, that then gets made in the three weeks? But uh, anyway, I just want to give people a heads up that we'll have that coming to MMA Junkie. Um, and that you can see that stuff on Fight Pass. Because, you know, the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, when they were airing that, it was all in Portuguese. So yeah. it was like... With subtitles. And- right. If you want, I mean... No offense, but it's 2018. Yeah. Come on, man. Who wants to read with subtitles? So uh, I was glad to see that they that they not only did they have a Portuguese crew, um, but they had a an English crew as well. So um, that's cool. So yeah. we'll, we'll get to see the whole thing, and and, uh, and and it'll be just like an episode. Only thing I'll say about that is that it still is tape delay, and in in 2018, as I said just a second ago, I mean certain things that I mean I get it because it is Brazil, and it, it's not like people are you know demanding yeah. it right now, but. Something about watching sports live is just knowing that they've happened a week or two weeks ago and there are some people in this world that know what happened. Right. takes away a little bit of the excitement, even though you have no idea what's happened. Right. So, it, you know, in your back of your mind, you're thinking about that. So I'm with you on that. I can totally understand. Uh, other things, I guess, uh, this week, UFC 229. Um, the big one that everybody's looking for, Connor <laughs> versus Habib. Uh, it does sound like there's not going to be a whole lot of pre-fight stuff for that. Um, we know there's no world tour. But it doesn't sound like there's going to be a whole lot of promotional things for it. I mean, there's not even going to be, like, you know, media days across the United States or whatever. They're not doing that. And I, I did hear, though, uh, that the press area is going to be shrunk down a little bit mm. because they're trying to pack a few more seats in there to sell because that's going to be a, a big gate. But uh, I don't know. I heard some people say they're they're worried that there's not enough time to promote this fight. and, and uh, I don't know, you know if you need time. <laughs> you know what? I'm kind of with you, Nick. I, I – I get it. You know, like, world tours are fun. Although I will say 
the world tour from Maymac, by the end of that, I was like, oh, my God, stop talking, people. I don't want to see any more of this. But, you know, McGregor and Aldo was fun, and there was a lot of tension and all that. Um, and it would be fun, I guess, to, to go have a media day in Moscow, to go have a media day in Dublin. I mean, that would be pretty incredible. Um, but there's no time. The schedules don't allow it. I mean, it's these guys are deep in camp already. Um, so I, I get it, and I, I will say – I'm kind of glad there's not a lot of time. I feel like a lot of time is just a lot of time for something to go wrong. You know what it's I mean? It's true. <laughs> it is very, very true. I was actually going to say the other thing, or the other you know, opposite, essentially. I, I'd like there to be a little more time. I yeah. mean, this fight is, what, seven weeks away? I mean, yeah. we're looking at early October. It's already mid-August. We're you know, less than two months away. That doesn't give me a lot of time to emotionally prepare myself. <laughs> as insane as that sounds, as ridiculous as that is, I enjoy when, I mean, DC Stipe got announced five or six months in advance. Yeah. And that, it felt, when in January, when it was announced right after their two fights at 220 in Boston, you felt, all right, well, we got a lot of time to wait. But it let it build up more and more. And, you know, thankfully, no one got hurt and that, you know, nothing went wrong. But uh, it certainly had enough time for that to happen. But it's true. I, I mean, don't know. when it, you know it's out there and you're kind of thinking about it and you're building when, up to it. When a big fight is so long away, I remember when Anderson Silva and Nick Diaz was announced like almost half a year right. in advance. And you're thinking, oh, well, I want to see it now, but I kind of don't. Like, I, I, I want to be get more and more excited for it. And so Khabib Connor's like less than two months away. I kind of wish it was a little later, but then as you said, I'd rather see the fight than get, not see the fight. Let's so get the fight. let's I, get it over with. I'll tell you what, man, it's been fun this week uh, talking to fighters. Cause now that everything's official, now that everything's being done, talking to fighters about it. Cause I will say, man, uh, I, I lean Habib in that fight. I do lean right now. I'm leaning Habib, um, the wrestling, the pace. Um, I don't put a lot of stock into, you know, a lot of people point to, to what was it, rounds three and four against Ally Quinta where he kind of got touched up a little bit on the feet. But um, I feel like he, at that point, wasn't worried at all. It, it was I, I don't want to say playing around because that sounds disrespectful to Ally Quinta, but I do feel like Habib was just like, ah, let's put on a little show. Let's get a little ring time That's what in I here. said after the fight as See, well. Yeah. So, all right. So, so I don't put a lot of, that, that doesn't mean that Connor can't, Touch him up because he can. Yeah. He's devastating. Look at Michael Johnson. I mean, he, he tagged him. He did. He did. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm going to be, but it's been fun talking to fighters this week because now it's official. Now it's happening. Man, uh, I, I think everybody really does see this as like a 50 50 fight. You know, I've, I've been kind of talking to people off record. What do you think? What do you think? How are you breaking it down? And I think really the professional fighters that I've talked to this week, A, give Connor a lot of respect. You know what I mean? Which it would be easy to hate on the guy, right? I mean, he is the brash you know, bold guy, but everybody respects the hell out of him. And I feel like everybody feels like it's a 50-50 fight. It really is. I I have a buddy of mine who came down with me to Sioux Falls just to see the fights as a fan. And he doesn't, he's not a big MMA guy, you know, essentially never watches it. But hey, get the opportunity to go to Sioux Falls and, you know, go to some Bellator fights. Why not? He's, I mean, as maybe a lot of non-MMA fans are, he like he's a big Conor McGregor guy. Right. And so he didn't know who Khabib was until this fight was announced. And he's been saying, oh yeah, Conor's going to destroy him. You know, the typical Conor McGregor fans. But I'm trying to tell him, this Khabib guy is really good. Yep. Like this is a 50-50 fight, and I didn't even say, "Yeah, Khabib's gonna win." You, you know, you're you're crazy. I just, I mean, this is a close fight. Connor on the feet, I mean, is is obviously a lot better. He he's great. I mean, Conor McGregor is a good fighter, and I think, I mean, he's a very good fighter. And I think some people, I can't say forget about it, but 
there's just a lot of people that don't like the guy. Oh, uh, and I think and so I think you they discredit. Thinking, they, yeah, you yeah. think of him as the promotional guy. You you you, you and you got to separate that. You know what I mean? You you, you, you take d- that all away. He's a talented guy. That's it. He's, He's still very got good. Skills. And I think you you're can't right. win two titles in the UFC by talking. You I think can't you're so it. right, man. I think his skill on the microphone. All of a sudden, people forget about his skill as a fighter because he's so great at that, and people are like, ah, he's just all talk. It's like, no, he's he's not all talk. He he talks and he talks and he talks, but he backs it up. He right? does. The, the <laughs> Nate like Diaz loss doesn't help, but you know he he avenged it. Beat Eddie Alvarez after. I mean, even fighting Floyd Mayweather didn't help. Taking two years off didn't help. But and I think that actually is key. Uh, some people might forget. I mean, yep. they, they legitimately might forget how good Conor McGregor is, and we've seen Khabib be a lot more active than usual. So. It's kind of all relative, but yeah, it is fifty-fifty. Yeah, I think recency bias—they call it right. Sure. When you're, when you're, what's the thing that you remember last? You know, the thing that you see last is the one you remember the most, and um, you're right about that. I mean, I do think two years away, man. But all respect to Conor McGregor, dude. I mean, I've, I've said it before, but I'll say it again, man. To come back from a layoff and to take that fight <laughs> is awesome because you I could have fought Nate Diaz. I think the Nate Diaz fight, well, no disrespect. I think the Nate Diaz stylistically is is better for him. You sure. know what I mean? I, and I think that would be a huge money fight. Um, I, I mean, I think Khabib is the toughest stylistic matchup for Conor McGregor. And for him to come back from the left and take that fight, man, even if you're not a Conor fan, you got to respect that. No, you do. You yeah, absolutely. Khabib, Khabib's an animal. Um, no one has been able to beat him. And that, you know, there's a good chance that doesn't change come, come a couple months from now. But, yeah, 50-50. And uh, as you said, I mean, Conor McGregor, he has some guts to, to take this fight. He could have fought Nate Diaz. He could have fought, you know, even Dustin Poirier. Yep. But he fought the eagle. <laughs> I love it, man. I'm excited for it. All right, listen. Uh, at that charity event that I mentioned earlier, the, the seats were changed. I also had a chance to catch up with Luke Rockhold. Uh, and and he, uh, he shared some insight. He broke a little news with us. Um, there's a reason that the UFC hasn't announced that Rockhold versus Weidman fight that everybody's expecting. And uh, he explains that in a little bit more. Uh, here is Luke Rockhold. Well, Luke, I thought, you were, uh, I thought you were going up to 205, man. What, what, what happened on the move to, to light heavyweight? Nothing's efficient. That's official, man. I uh, I like it. I like the light heavyweight division. I, I think it's for the taking, and it just DC is you know the complications with him and his, he's tossing and turning. I, I just want the thing to really solidify itself and, and iron it out. I want to I want a matchup. I want a sexy matchup. I want to get up there. I want to do some damage, and I want to make it mean something. I don't want to fight the best guy in the division and Alexander Gustafsson and, and have to backtrack, you know, if DC doesn't fight and have to fight someone else lower for a potential title shot. What's the fucking point? Right. You know, it's, I, I, want, I want it to mean something. And uh, for me, everything is open right now. I'm not, I don't need to rush anything. I, you know, business is good everywhere. And, and uh, you know, they got to give me something sexy and, and entice me with something good. So... Nothing's official. So in some ways, like, the, the, the decision not to go to light heavyweight now, or maybe it's kind of like the, the respect thing, almost like what DC did with with uh, uh, Kane back in the day, where he's like, I'm not going to fight in the same division. Is that kind of what you feel like as long as he's there, you don't want to be in that division? Yeah, there's a certain amount of respect. And then, of course, DC's my brother. We came from the fucking very beginning together. And so... I'm not going to step on his toes. I'm going to let him like close out the way he, he wants to. I got plenty of time. Um, I'm training. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm getting healthy. You know, I'm nearly there. So we'll see. We'll see what's up. You know, Madison Square Garden is very appealing. I, I like that stage. I've always wanted to fight there. And so got to get the right matchup. And uh, we'll see what comes what comes to be. So 
we have seen it because fans notice it. You know, everybody heard the Weidman fight, the Weidman fight, but nobody ever made an official announcement. So no pen to paper yet. Is that's that's not necessarily the fight? Pen to paper. <laughs> does that does, does that one not intrigue you? I mean, yeah. of course it is, it's in, it's intriguing. Madison Square Garden versus Weidman. It's uh, number two. He's number three. You know, it's a pretty clear-cut fight, you know, and then go out there and do do, do the job at Madison Square, it's, it's fun, it's sexy. So you like that one, you, you, so, so is he holding out, so why is it an official? <laughs> you, you gotta show me the right contract. Fair enough. Hey, I'm making, I, I don't need to do anything in these days. Listen, I, I'm, business is good. We're, we're doing business everywhere, and, and I got a lot of things going on, and when, when, when you show me the right contract, then I'll sign the, the right contract. So, Is there a deadline that you kind of have in mind to be like, hey, I need this long to train, so if we're going to do Madison Square Garden, I need to know by X date if we're going to put this contract together. I'm training. I'm training. I'll be ready. I mean, and, and to make it down to, to 85 for that fight, that's just that, that just – can add, it's just that much more you got to add to it. So it's like, for me, it, that's, a, that's a lot to get down there. I, I, I fucked up last time. I didn't do it right. I, I screwed up the weight cut. and That wasn't nearly what I could be. You know, going back in, I know I can re, redo that. There's a lot of things leading up to that fight that, that screwed up the process. And uh, I, 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 I left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't want to leave it that like that. So... At the same time, there, there's, that it does entice me, but I know I'm a lot better fighter at 205, and I know I can I can do a lot more damage. So there's just a lot of a lot is up in the air, you know. You gotta gotta make it make it fun, make it you know, make it exciting, and, and uh, make me get up for it. What do you walk around at? I don't walk around that big, man, but I don't lift a lot. Like in camp, I've always had to like restrict my diet and not lift because I get too big. And you know, I was getting I was getting to a point when I was thinking about taking that Gustafsson fight, and uh, I was lifting those 220. 220 felt good at 220. I thought I hit 220 before, and I felt like like shit. Uh, I felt fat and loaded, and, uh, but I've never lifted properly and, and refueled properly, and, and I was feeling feeling really good, feel powerful. You know? Very nice. What is the health update? You said almost, almost done, almost cleared. No. Yeah, yeah. No, I. I uh, God bless uh, Dr. Williams out of uh, Las Vegas. Saved my leg, man. It was a uh, pretty traumatic experience. I, I never really thought it would be that bad, but um, Carl Williams, he uh, he really put it together and put this medieval device on my leg, which is literally state-of-the-art kind of thing. It's called a dermaclose. kind of stretches the skin. The skin was going apart and pulled it back together, and and the thing's nearly solidified and sealed. And, uh, and so, you know, by Madison Square Garden, I'll be fine. I've, I'm in boxing. I'm, I'm lightly wrestling, and I'm, I'm training hard around it, and, and it's not not an issue these days. You know, I should be back to full, full training within next few weeks. Very nice. So it sounds like you got a lot of options on the table, right? I mean, anything's a possibility. So what are the goals? I mean, as you're mapping it out, are, you know, are, are there are goals in fighting the priority? Is it business outside of the cage? I mean, what's 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 life like in the goals for Luke Rockhold right now? Business. I love fighting. I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm nowhere near done in fighting, but um, you got to make it, it's got to make sense. I'm not going to take off time and lose money to go fight. I love what I do, and I know I have a lot more to give in the sport. But 
these people need to get their their contracts straight. You know, they need to get their priorities straight and what they want, where they want to go. And I know what I want. Um, I got everything. Everything is, is good, man. So I'm not gonna fucking lose money fighting. I'm making. I'm doing doing very well outside the cage, and I got a lot of different things going on. I'm building upon, and so um, to stress myself to get down to 85 to put in, you know. 10 weeks of training camp, I got to put everything else on hold. So, What if go. Weidman said, let's do it at 205? I love it. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> then neither one of you has to cut? Still, it's still the fight people want to see, right? That- hey, I might have thrown that option out there. <laughs> I might have thrown that option out there, but it didn't, didn't come to fruition. Um, but... You know, options are on the table. I, I like the 205 pound matchups. It just depends on what happens with DC, Gustafsson, and somehow John Jones comes back after so he's suspended for four years. I mean, come on. The sport is starting to get a little, a little jokey. Man, I'm, I'm just sick of it. Washing Brock, washing John. You, you're getting to get down to real business. These guys, you know, they should be suspended for a long time. People are learning how to cheat the system. You saw it as a owned by the UFC. I like fighting clean. I've always fought clean. I want to fight clean people. And uh, I want to fight fair. Would you fight John Jones if he came back? (laughs) (laughs) I want want a fair playing field. You know. Isada's got a step their game up and be what they were in the beginning because in the beginning it seemed like they were doing their job. Now it seems like they're being owned. So sad to see, but hopefully they can correct itself and we can get on the right path. So I'm sick of it all, but I love it all at the same time. Rockhold uh, saying, listen, he, he wants big fights, but he wants to get paid for it. He's down for that Weidman fight. He's down for, for Madison Square Garden, but he has not signed a bout agreement yet. Uh, he's hoping to get a little money in the bank. Uh, you know, still talking about 205, but but wants to make sure DC's out of the way first before he makes that move up there. I kind of kind of understand where he's coming from. You know, why why go up there if you know you can't fight for a title because your boy's there? And uh, I don't think DC's fighting at 205 again. I know he said he was, but I don't think he does. Yeah, just timing-wise. I mean, it's either don't fight at 205 or fight after March of next year. Right. I kind of look at it like that. I mean, does he, by, by now, you know, it is only August, but by now, does he fight before Brock Lesnar in maybe February? Probably not. Probably not. And then he's not going to fight a month you? later. Why I mean, risk it? Why risk it? Yeah. I don't know. It, it's the second biggest fight the UFC can make right now. Yeah. I think so, anyways. I agree. Um, and even though, say, he defends to a five-pound belt, loses it, Miraculously, because I'm not sure who could beat him, but you know, could happen. Anything can happen. If John Jones came back. I mean, sure. we're, we're still waiting to hear. A lot of people around John Jones that swear he's going to fight before the end of this year. They swear he's going to fight. So you saw D- the thing. DC loses the two or five pound belt. The Brock Lesnar fight still happens, but Le- or Cormier's coming off a loss. He's yeah. not a t- do- double champion. That's takes right. a little bit it away t- from it. It so. definitely takes a little bit. Why risk that? I agree. I have to, don't don't fight and. He's already said he hates that cut down to 205. He's happier being at heavyweight. I mean, 
Why it, mess it, with it? It started getting tough. I mean, look at the Rumble situation last April. You know, it's a tougher cut as he gets older. I think this is the toughest it's ever been. He was really happy when he weighed in at 246 yeah. or whatever it was. You could you could tell it was, you know, nothing. He just, you know, got on scales and got off. Um, and, and, you know, to, to add on to that, who is there to, you know, for DC to fight at 205? Do you run back Gustafson? I mean, I, that's a fight I'd watch, but I'd watch anything. Right. So <laughs> it, 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 it's not a fight. That Boy, that's what we're, good. we're not good measuring tools, <laughs> no, right? No, <laughs> no, we really aren't. Um, it, it's not a fight that intrigues me more than a lot of fights. I mean, Anthony Smith is is on the come up, but he's not really there yet. Volkan Ozmir, he beat. Glover Teixeira is coming off loss. Corey Anderson, not really there. There's nobody really there. It's not a big money fight. Other no. than John Jones. Other than, John, Other than Jones. John Jones. And even still, if that happens, maybe they do it at heavyweight. So. That is true. I like that idea. Doing but that I don't anyway. know if you can do Lesnar and Jones again unless Cormier says, sorry, family, got to fight a little bit. Got to fight past March. And he says he's not going to. He swears th- he's sticking to that date. I just think you do one fight. You don't risk it. As you said, it takes a lot of shine off. Um, the, the promotion, yeah, it'll still be a big fight with him and Lesnar, but but why risk it? I, I just I don't think he does it. Yeah. I don't think he fights. Uh, uh, listen, so it's funny mentioning the John Jones thing. I get, man, and I was supposed to sit down with Jeff Nowitzki recently, and that got canceled. And we're trying to reschedule it um, to where we can just talk about everything and kind of get an update on the program and all that stuff. I, there's some things I like about USADA, and there's some other things that are – it's weird, man. The fact that we just get no updates. And I understand, you know, the way they do it is they wait till everything is done, and they come out with a report, and everything's there, and it's the whole thing. But it just seems weird that it's been this long, and we don't know yet. You know what I mean? Like <sighs> – can't there be just I mean, can't you at least just release a schedule like, hey man, we'll we'll have the we'll have the finding on this date, you know, and instead it's it's um you know, we'll just tell you when we tell you and there's nothing we can say right now. And I get it, man. They, they It's been they, a year. It's been a year. Like there are some fighters. Obviously, I'm never gonna forget whether or not John Jones had been given a suspension or not, because he's a high-profile fighter. It's sort of the you know the talk of the year almost when it comes to John Jones. But there have been instances. I'm totally honest that you know a lesser fighter, maybe you know not ranked or one known in the UFC, 0 and one, whatever the case is, sort of you know not as high-profile, not even close. That. I just assumed they had been given a suspension. They right. come out like I remember seeing. Oh, they you know potentially flagged by USADA say in April, and then like literally a year later, oh, given a one year suspension. I was like, I, I just thought they were suspended. It's crazy. But no, it's crazy. Yeah, I'll uh, I, I I'm interested to talk to Jeff Nowitzki and kind of follow up and hopefully get that interview scheduled. I'm interested to hear what they do with John Jones. I've said from the beginning, I think he gets two years. Um, that's what I've always said. You know, it's second time. I think even if it's an accident, even if it's an oversight, like two years, I think. But a lot of people around him say that uh, they don't think that's the case. So we'll see. Uh, interesting other USADA story this week. This Tom Lawler situation, you know, where he, where he had to serve almost the full two years before the USC would release him. I'm curious to hear what you think about this because um, I like Tom Lawler a lot, man. He's, he's, he's you know, been in Vegas. He's a good, he's a good character. He's, he's fun. Um, and I think what's frustrating is because he swears his innocence and, 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 and doesn't – you know, and if that's the case, I definitely understand his frustration. If he's like, "Dude, I'm innocent. And I got hosed." Um, but I will say this: I don't blame the UFC for not releasing somebody due to a USADA suspension because if they did that, I feel like that would totally take away what a USADA suspension the, means. The valid, the validity. I can't even say the word. <laughs> the validity of yeah. the validity. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like so, I, I, like I feel for Tom Lawler, especially if, like he says, he's. He is innocent, and he doesn't know what the hell happened. Like, I can understand his frustration, man. I really can. But 
On the other hand, like I, I kind of feel like it's not the worst decision in the world by the UFC to kind of make this a policy. I mean, I think they did the same thing with Frank Mir where they were like, we'll release you, but you know, you, you got to guarantee us you're not fighting until your, your, your suspension runs out. I think that's I, – I don't know, man, because I, I – I think it's fair. Yeah, it is odd. Like, I see both sides entirely, I think, like you do. I just, the way, one of the ways I can look at it is, so this is basically the UFC saying we, we've we never had interest in keeping you on the roster ever since this happened. Uh, kind of just get it over with. But then again, I mean, <laughs> but then we're saying drug testing, you know, let's, let's, improve this and let's get the cheaters out of the sport. I mean, there's others that just say, you know, juice up and <laughs> everything will be great. No, but <laughs> that's not the answer. Can't do that. Um, and so I see both sides. I'd be I'd be angry if I was Tom Lawler because I'd almost feel like right. I've, I just wasted two years of my, of my MMA career that couldn't go on because I've been under contract with a promotion that I can't fight for. And then all of a sudden I can a month after I'd, I'd be, you know, able to anyways. So I'd feel upset. I feel, I, I, I would feel if I was in his shoes, like the UFC did me dirty, but they really didn't. Right. They're just trying to do what's right. Trying to adhere to the policy. And I, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, Grockhold voiced his concerns with USADA. People are voicing their concerns about USADA. And I do think there's things they can do better. And those are things I want to talk to Jeff Nowitzki about is, you know, some of the things that we have complaints about. Why are they done that way? You know, why, why do they, um, you know, it started with a brief conversation I had with him in Idaho. Uh, we were up in Boise for the for the UFC show, when I, just kind of off record. But I was like, "Well, listen, one of the things I hate is when they they say potential violation, and right away that means guilty steroid cheat. You know what I mean? At least in in the mentality of of, of our heads, right? And then if they come back later and say, "Oh, well, no, we found him, no finding, he's innocent, whatever," like. It's always like I say, like you know, it's the he- it's the big bold headline, you know, on the front page, and then the retraction on page ten that nobody ever sees. And it's still, even if you know, it was sort of equal, it's still in the back of your mind. Exactly. I mean, I still remember that Courtney Casey failed to, you know, right. Uh, you saw it, even though she was later cleared. So yeah. you, st- you do. And and I was like, couldn't they just like say a guy's injured or whatever and just like, pull him out of a fight? You know, like well. That wouldn't be transparency. Like that would have the potential to look shady. That we're lying about why guys aren't fights. And I was like, "Well, that's that's it a fair point." It you know what I mean? I was like, "You're right." So that's what kind of got you know me and him. So I was like, "Hey, let's sit down and let's just go point for point. Like, why why do they do this? Why do they do that? Like, this seems stupid." And and uh, so hopefully we get to have that conversation when it, soon. When it comes to whether they announced it as a potential violation early on, before knowing whether or not you know fighter he or she is guilty. When it comes to do you re- do you release the fighter early on in their suspension, you know, after failing a drug test, there really isn't a perfect answer. There's not. I don't. I I really don't think so. There's a perfect answer for a lot of things, but there's certain things where either the fighter is going to be angry, or the promotion won't be doing it right, or it won't be transparent, or the fans will be angry, or the fighter will be angry because they're getting blamed for something they didn't do. But you kind of just got to do what's right, and I think kind of the situations we have now, although I don't like the potential violations. They're them announcing it so premature. You kind of have to do it now that I'm thinking about I, it. I feel like they're trying to do the right thing. I mean, USADA gets a lot of heat. UFC gets a lot of heat, and they're definitely not perfect. I think there's changes that need to be made, um, and and I think you know the things could be tweaked. And then, of course, the whole thing that the fighters themselves didn't even have an opportunity to like collectively bargain with the testing. You know, what I mean, that's 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 a whole another issue in itself. But uh, I don't know if that'll ever be fixed. But 
I don't know, just some, some interesting stuff with USADA. Again, I'm, I am hoping to have that conversation with Jeff Nowitzki uh, and that we get that scheduled at some point. All right, listen, one last quick uh, interview. Did have a chance to speak with uh, Joseph Benavidez as well. Of course, he, he lost in his, in his last fight. I wanted to talk to him. I hadn't talked to him since then because uh, I remember seeing him leave the cage, man, and just everybody's down after a loss, you know what I mean? But, man, just knowing him as long as I have and covering him as closely as we have, uh, just seeing the look on his face, man, it just looked like it, it really got to him, and that, that stuck out to me uh, more than just a typical loss. And he's in an interesting position. Even now coming off a loss, he did get rebooked, uh, first for Las Vegas, then for Denver, of course, since uh, Ray Borg can't be around uh, Conor McGregor. But he does find himself in an interesting position. Now that Henry Cejudo is the champion – Joseph owns a win over him. It's not Demetrius Johnson, who you're 0-2 against. So even though you're coming off a loss, a lot of things open up. So anyway, I thought it was a good time to uh, to catch up with Joseph Benavides. Give, give us the emotion, man. What's it been like the last couple months? I mean, when you uh, – I, I felt like when you left the cage last time out, man, it looked like you were you were a little heartbroken at the time, man. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, when I left the cage last fight, I just had lost a split decision um, after 18 months. Um, so that was my comeback fight. Didn't go as planned. Nothing does in this sport. But uh, yeah, it was just a hard one to swallow because I felt really good and thought I won the fight. And I don't feel like I, I haven't been on that end, maybe, of a decision. Um, I, well, I've been in split decisions like with Dominic Cruz, Demetrius Johnson. And, uh, you know, those are two of the best guys ever. And I come back, I felt like I had the perfect fight against Sergio Pettis, or a perfect opponent to come back on. And, uh, you know. Just nothing went great, so that was uh, that was tough. It was fun to be in there and fun to compete again. I was grateful for that, but you know the goal is to come back and you know fight to the best of your abilities and get the win. And you know when I didn't, it was uh, it was kind of like a surreal experience. Like all I had planned on is coming back and winning, having seven wins in a row, and then uh, you know when it didn't go as planned, you're just kind of like in a you're kind of like in a in a disbelief. So that's kind of what you saw probably leaving the cage, just kind of disbelief of just like. Where did he win? How did this happen? Why? You know, all that stuff you go through after a loss. And it had been a while since I had to feel that. You know, I uh, uh, six fights in a row I had won. So it was, a, it was a new feeling. And, you know, the two guys I had lost to, you know, they were nice guys, good guys. So, yeah. It was a rough one. You, I mean, do you think timing was an issue with me that time away? And, you know, I mean, we, we always hear about the, you know, the cage roster or whatever. I don't think it played a factor, yeah. honestly. Um, I felt good, you know, I think I think at different stages in your career, ring rust can probably play a factor, you know, but once you have the experience that I do, you know, three title fights, you know, 35 fights, um, you know how to fight when, when, where, you know, whoever it may be. So I don't think that was it at all. Um, you know, just maybe a lack of strategy or something, I don't really know, but as far as ring rust and stuff, it was nothing. I felt physically actually better than I had doing, you know, getting that, that 18 months off, even though it was an injury, I felt really good. I had my body, my mind rested, um, everything. I had a good perspective. It just uh, didn't go my way. Like props to my opponent. He fought a really good fight. Um, kind of, he caught me early, then kind of just like hung on a little bit. I still think I did enough to win, but uh, you know, so he did a good job, but no, I have no excuses as far as like, I was away or I was injured. Like I felt the best I ever had, even my, the shape, the physical shape I was in, uh, everything was great. Nice. Well, at least you got another bookie, right? I mean, you, you, did, yeah. it, you did it quickly. Yeah. Uh, was that important to you? I mean, were, were you trying to get booked quickly? And are you happy with the opponent you got? Because it's another big name. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I wanted to stay at the top. Like, I was happy with both opponent bookings. Like, you know, 
in our division, it's small. I've gone through a lot of people, just as like Demetrius has. He's like I've been in it just as long. I started the division, first title fight, so I pretty much fought everyone. So I'm waiting for new guys to kind of come up, come up, you know, and win. But some of these guys that I've already beat or already fought, they keep winning too. So it's kind of hard um, to not have rematches. So Sergio is a perfect opponent. And then when I lost that, I was like, hey, I want to stay at the top. You know, I feel like. You know, I won that fight, and I wanted to stay at the top. I don't want to go anywhere, you know, down. So it's nice. Now I'm fighting another uh, number four rank, Ray Borg. Uh, he went for the title his last fight. It's great. Yeah. So, yeah, just staying at the top there, it's great. Um, the guy that I beat two fights ago just won the title. So that's like a whole new, like, rebirth, too, not only of, like, just a perspective for me, but just uh, the division in general. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So, I mean, is that exciting? Because... You know, I mean, I thought you'd kind of gotten to a point where it's been so long since you had fought Demetrius. Like, you probably did deserve a third. Yeah. But you know that that's kind of unprecedented in the UFC. It doesn't happen. So, did seeing Cejudo win, I mean, did, did it kind of fire you up a little bit? Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I mean, not like, oh, man, Demetrius lost. That's great. Just, just the idea of it, you know, switching up the division. A long, you know, it's been a long time, you know, that we needed something just to switch up. Um, I mean, and that's all because Demetrius, I take part fall for it, not going out and beating him when I could have too. But yeah, it was amazing, man. Like I lose a fight to Pettis and I'm just like, man, like that shouldn't have happened. But then I see Cejudo go out and win and uh, it just gives you like a rebirth and stuff. And, you know, even just a new confidence in what you're doing. You know, I just beat that guy who went out and beat the greatest of all time. I just beat him, you know, my fight before that. And I think it just kind of shows like Demetrius is, it was an amazing champion. And I don't think he was necessarily physically better at this or that or that. He just always put together the perfect fight against every person, those 11 times or whatever he did his thing. But the gap skill-wise, like, isn't that huge. You know, it's like his execution, which is everything. You know, like, everyone trained in the gym, like, in their mind, how they think they can fight. Like, they're, like, world champion material. So just kind of showed, like, the gap of skill wasn't that big. Like, I always just said, like, Demetrius isn't a better wrestler, a better striker, a better in the clinch, or better here. He just always fights ex every opponent, like, exactly how he's supposed to and, you know, gets it done. So when he went out and did that, um, Cejudo thought he won the fight, thought he put in an amazing performance. I have a lot of respect for him, like, since our last fight. You know, like, despite our past, um, after our last fight, a huge amount of respect for him. We had one of the best fights of the year that somehow didn't even get fight of the night. That was weird. But... Then he goes out and does that, puts on an amazing performance. And uh, yeah, man, he was the guy to do it. And it was uh, it was really cool to see. And like coming off a loss, it was like, Jesus, like I didn't know if I was gonna get a fight with Demetrius winning seven in a row. Nonetheless, I lose to Sergio Pettis. I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen. And that just gave me like a whole new rebirth. Got a fight booked right away and uh, couldn't be more motivated um, and optimistic for the future now. Nice. So I mean, if you beat Ray Borg and you do it impressively, I mean, can you start? Can you start? You know, maybe say Cejudo. We got a little history, don't you want? To yeah, I'll clear that up. <laughs> yeah, I've already been doing it. Like, first thing, I congratulate him. I'm not that. I'm not. You know, I'm not like that. I was like, all right, man. Like, congratulations. That was amazing. I told him before, like, good luck. You know, and I told him congratulations. But then, second of all, I said, you know, I'll give you the rematch. I'll give you the rematch. So you can get that loss back from uh, two fights ago. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. And, I know he's already calling out some other stuff, but I talked to the bosses and everything, and they're like, you know, to me, I don't think anyone would argue if I fight him next um, and say I have seven wins in a row and, you know, I have a win over him. 
Um, so I think that's the biggest thing going for me right now is I have, like, I'm his last loss, and that that's big for me. Um, the six wins in a row I had, the loss was, you know, a really close fight too. And that was to a guy that, you know, lost to Cejudo um, by, by a huge margin, you know. So the, the fact I have a win over him, I think that puts me in a good seat, um, getting a win over uh, Ray Borg. Um, but that's the, the focus first and foremost. That was Joseph Benavidez. Always uh, fun to catch up with him. And, uh, yeah, man, he's, uh, you know, he admits it was, the, the loss was tough, man. It didn't go the way he, he thought it was. Nobody, yeah. I guess nobody visualizes a long layoff <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the victorious uh, or, or the glamorous return from uh, the, the injury and then uh, imagined defeat, you know. But uh, he definitely took that one hard. But it's, uh, there's a lot of new possibilities for him now at flyweight. So, uh, look, a win over Ray Borg would not be uh, would not be the worst thing to, to keep in people's mind. Not you know? at all. Nope. All right, man, Bellator 204, so, uh, you know, you haven't had fight night yet. We get that tomorrow. It's weird. It's the Friday fight, not the, not the Saturday, but uh, I don't know. It gives you, it's your first Bellator event. What's, uh, even though we haven't seen the fights yet, what's, what's been your overall impression of, 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 a, of a Bellator fight week? I've liked it. Um, I, I, I know it's small, and I know we, we said, uh, you know, briefly spoke of the open workouts. I, I think that was yesterday, and, you know, you even said to yourself, I mean, as a guy who covers more shows than you don't, you like the small shows. They're just fun. And I've sort of felt that, like, I, I got the big... I mean, my first major show was just 226 and, and Tough Finale just last month. Right. And you're not going to get much more media uh, presence than that, I mean, other than may, maybe May Mac or... Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I had nothing that to base was, that off of. That but was just, a shit show. Just from what people <laughs> were saying. And so... And then went to Calgary, and it was sort of in the middle, maybe even closer to the, to the bottom. But, I mean... It's kind of just us, and I know that you know Mike Strauss uh, from a few websites. We we met at the weigh-ins earlier. They're, yep. You know, local media, but uh, they're sort of more focused on you know the Logan store leads of the card. Sure. And I, I mean, even when we talked to Darian Caldwell yesterday, by the time he was last uh, of the four, it was just us. Yeah. The, the, Everybody the, left. The local media just said, you know, see you later. And so, you know, it, it it's been fun. I I've enjoyed it, and also. I mean, something I've noticed, and I knew going in, but just the Bellator PR, if I'm being honest, are a lot more accommodating than than UFC PR. Right. Um, and uh, I mean, I had three, you know, a couple prelim guys I wanted to talk to yesterday, and and you know, UFC or, or Bellator PR guy, they you know they hook it up, and it all was well, and uh, t you know had the opportunity to talk Noad a lot, who who wasn't at the open workouts y yesterday, and so just the way that all works, it, it's been a great week, and the fight should be fun too. I agree. Yeah, I I'll be honest, I do I like small shows, man. I do it, and not that I, of course, man. I, I mean, the fights themselves, like you know, being at those big fights or being at may mac or you know whatever i mean yes it's awesome like you know you're there like man this is incredible this is history this is whatever but as far as the fight week goes i mean yeah there's no one-on-one -on -one time there's no you know, i mean everything's just so crazy i i enjoy the small shows. i feel like you get uh, a better connection a better feel of things you know what i mean so um yeah i i i, I do like the small shows i'm not gonna lie and I, same for smaller usc shows I mean, I mean i'll be in nebraska next week uh, for that lincoln card and uh you know, i'm not imagining there's gonna be much media there but uh but I enjoy it, man. Yeah. I have I have I have fun with that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I dig it. Uh, you gonna be still covering cards? You're start, like you said, you're moving to Toronto in in what ten days? You Eleven said? days, yeah. Eleven days and, and starting uh, journalism school up there, right? At uh, Ryerson University. Yeah. So is that gonna impact? I mean, it's funny because you mentioned you, you know this summer, man. You've been gallivanting all around. You've been going to all kinds of shows. Yeah, but and so I, I've been, uh, you know. 
just been able to to start doing UFC, just turned 18, and got to be an 18-year-old to cover UFC, and so sort of taking advantage of that That's early on. I but know that. I yeah, know that. I guess not many people would. Uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, so started started all with 226. You know, had the opportunity to go to Calgary, and now this just because it was close. But with school starting, I mean, I I've been starting to look at you know future Bellator shows, and because I can go under Bloody Open, it makes a little more sense than say going uh, under a Severe MMA, the outlet I went to the UFC cards under. But I mean, I don't know if I can commit to a week down in San Jose next month. I mean, a, a right. month into you know, university, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't be, you know, mind too much. Yeah, I'm going to go cover the UFC for a few days. I mean, I'm in journalism school, but you still got to gotta do what the course says you got to do. Yeah. So I'm not too sure what, what the future will hold as far as covering cards right away. But when I can, spring break, summer break, whatever it is, I mean, Toronto pay for you in December. I'll be there. Be so. there for that. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting, right? Because, I mean, it's work experience. Like, you're... That's yeah. what you, that's what you're working to do, and if it you get a true. chance to go do it, why, why, why not? not? But at the same time, like I'm sure the school is like, yeah, but we still want you to cover. You know, <laughs> you got to be here and do the stuff. We <laughs> you got to do, do the local Toronto baseball or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That's funny. <laughs> wow. Anyway, well, cool, man. Well, congrats to you, man. It's been fun seeing Thank you out the last Thank couple you. weeks. Thanks for sitting in tonight. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll uh, we'll all be following up. All your coverage will be at Bloody Elbow. Of course, mine will be at MMA Junkie, and uh, hopefully, we'll have good coverage of Bellator 204. Like I said, I think the main card is going to be good. Um, the prelims got some locals. We'll see about. And I'll be honest with you, some of the local fighters I don't know as much about. That always happens at Bellator shows. They use local promoters to book local fighters to help sell tickets. It's a wise strategy as far as filling the building. Uh, it makes it a little tough to break down the, the fight sometimes, <laughs> but uh, but but excited about some of the others uh, on there as well. Well, so uh, should be a good night. In the meantime, uh, I'll, I'll let you drive home safely and soberly. Thank you. I am. Thanks for to, having me. I am I going to. It. Yeah, I'm going to have a few more frosty beverages. <laughs> not be sober. I actually got to work in the morning. It's been tough, man. Uh, shout out to all the crew at MMA Junkie. Uh, you know, with the changes we've been dealing with the last week and some vacations that were already planned, it's been it's been a hard week for everybody. But uh, shout out to everybody for for making it through, and we'll get things back to normal uh, soon. And to everybody else, thanks for listening.